0: Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Uh, Michael Leboff is sitting this one out. So we have called up from the taxi squad our friend, Carrie Haber, who's going to uh, talk with us uh, and give us sort of an overview of the Islanders. Uh, you know him from Lighthouse Hockey, maybe from Twitter, maybe from his site, The Cap Space, And, uh, you know, he brings a scientific, analytical mind to everything he does. Carrie, how's it going?
1: Hey, Dan, it's going well. How are you doing?
0: I am well, and uh, we've been trying to get you on for a couple weeks, and it sort of worked out uh, this way, so glad to have you on, and uh, yeah, so the Islanders have played 11 games this season, and it is remarkably 20% of their season because of the 56-game full season that uh, they're going to play this year, and uh, we've already seen a lot. We've seen some good, we've seen some bad, we've seen some stuff that really needs to improve, uh, some stuff that could improve, and some stuff that, you know, kind of makes you a little bit worried uh, for the future. So we're going to kind of go, you know, line by line, maybe person by person and try and get kind of a look at where they are now. Um, fortunately, thanks to two games this weekend, uh, they're back in the playoff hunt. So as uh, our friend Steve at Lighthouse Hockey said, the sky has not fallen. Uh, they are actually back in the playoffs right now, but uh, things can definitely get a little bit better. Um, we're going to start. Let me just start real quick by recapping the last two games since our last episode, both wins, which is very nice. Game on Saturday against Pittsburgh uh, was a bit of a mess. <laughs> the Islanders had a lot of giveaways. Jordan Everly had two goals in the first period. Getty Malkin scored with 16 seconds to go in the second period thanks to a bonehead turnover by Brock Nelson. We're going to talk a lot about him in a second. Um, Penguins took a lead early in the third, but Cal Clutterbuck t- uh, tied the game. We're going to talk a lot about him in a second, too. Uh, and then Anders Lee power play goal. Remember those power play goal? Uh, won the game for the Islanders and a much needed win. Thank God. Uh, then last night at the Garden, I believe Simeon Varlamov had uh, 29 or 30 saves uh, in a 2-0 shutout. He's not given up a goal to the Rangers this year. He's the first Islanders goalie to have two shutouts against the Rangers in the same season, which is kind of mind boggling. Um, game was scoreless for over 50 minutes until, again, the fourth line created two goals and uh, got the Islanders two huge points. So let's start with there. Well, in the words of Van Halen, we're going to go bottoms up. We're going to start from the bottom and work our way <laughs> to the top. And uh, let's start with that fourth line, which is kind of uh, a blessing and a curse a little bit. They've been so instrumental for the Islanders for so long. And, you know, they, they were going to be coming into the season, Matt Martin, with the, the contract extension and everything. And, uh, you know, there have been some games this year where they have not played well i'm thinking of the couple of games in philly that the islanders lost in overtime. the nine line was noticeably bad the last two nights they've been noticeably good in fact last night against the rangers they were really darn good and ended up scoring two goals matt martin and Clutterbuck cut up for a beauty uh really um so what's your take on that line so far this season um you know they've never been the the most play driving line in the world but they've always been good at at cycling and chipping in a goal here and there and then obviously on the special teams but i don't know man sometimes they just they don't look like themselves this year.
1: Yeah, they've had a a pretty inconsistent start to this season. And it's one of those things where, you know, the whole model of their game has been consistency. I mean, we've been talking about that for almost a decade at this point. And the one area where they've still been fairly good is defensively, they rank towards the top of the team in terms of uh, expected goals against per hour. Uh, but the offense, uh, obviously, until the last couple of games, hasn't been there, and and you know to a degree that's that's been expected because they're in the fourth line and uh, they're starting to get a little bit older, which sometimes means less uh, productivity when it comes to the score sheet. But they the time on ice that they get is really more like they're the third line, and so when that's the case. Um, you really have to start to take a look at, at more offensive production, and since that hasn't been their game uh, in the past, you it's hard to judge them appropriately. Uh, that said, you know because they are still faring faring pretty well defensively, I wouldn't raise the alarm bells at this point the way that I specifically did at the start of the season. But it is something to watch because. You know, There's going to be a lot of games that are coming up in a pretty short period of time. Like I said, they, they are starting to get older. There's a lot more wear and tear on the body, especially with two recent pretty long playoff runs. So it's something to watch because uh, the schedule, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, the schedule itself is, is kind of a bit of a question uh, from a day-to-day hmm. basis.
0: And, yeah something
1: the, like that right and and the result of that might create a little bit more in terms of inconsistency across the roster. Um, the islanders are going to need these guys to to continue to play well defensively if they aren't going to be able to do that, then that's going to spell some trouble for them long term It's really their their selling prop, so to speak, is that they have such a good forecheck that they do. Uh, generally have the capability to keep the puck in the offensive zone, even when they're not scoring. If they're not doing that, then it's not going to be pretty. And because they haven't really controlled the puck offensively, even though they're still faring well defensively, the puck is still in the Islander zone more than the opposite zone. And I think that's where the like the disconnect is ultimately happening here. And it's something that I think is going to have to, to change uh, or else you know more goals are going to end up in the Islander's net.
0: Yeah, I think that's what was kind of happening earlier this season again. I'm pointing back to those two games against Philly where they uh they were um you know, they they weren't cycling the puck as we had seen them, and they were also on the ice for a couple of goals against, which is you know kind of the kiss of death for the two of the, for you know a line like that. Um, everybody was sounding alarm bells earlier this this season, so don't don't feel too bad, uh, because I definitely was too. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, and and the thing is too, like the Islanders really are unique in the sense that they really really are dependent on that line. Like there's a reason that Barry Trotz starts that line and every once in a while I'll see somebody, you know, tweet out why the Islanders starting this line. Well, there's a reason they call them the identity line. It's not the the most fun nickname in the world, but there's a reason they call them that and that's how they want to start. So, you know, if that's, if that line is going to have problems, they might end up sort of trickling down (laughs) through the rest of the, the lineup, uh, which would be bad. Is that something you've seen uh, before too? Is that something we can actually put a finger on or am I just kind of, getting paranoid and making that up. Um,
1: It's one of those things, like I I like to call it the domino effect, where if you have one bad shift, sometimes it leads to two or three bad shifts. And the reason for that is you got, you have situations where guys need to take longer shifts out of need uh, because they can't get the puck into the offensive zone at all. Uh, What that does is it basically just kind of creates this fatigue factor that continues until there's a whistle and, and sometimes longer than that. So I, I think, I, it's one of those things where i do think that that line itself has the fundamental skills they, they really don't ice the puck a ton and that does alleviate some of those concerns but from a team-wide perspective like yeah the, there are definitely stretches where you can see uh, play kind of in their own end for five ten minutes at a time so it is the reason why trot's does put them out in a lot of key situations is because they are able to establish the four check. So I don't necessarily think it's like determinant on that line in itself. It's more of an overarching, you know, one line after another kind of creates its own uh, impacts. But uh, it, it, I will say this because they don't have the offensive skill set to get out of danger in the way that, for example, Matthew Barzell can, obviously, um, it does make it a little bit more fragile where they can become more susceptible to those issues. Uh, but overall I would say that's more of a team-based concern and it definitely is something that happens.
0: Yeah. All right. Good. Well, I thought I was making that up. <laughs> uh, so uh, moving up uh, one line is been the sort of like mixed bag line for the whole season we can only really call it the JG Paggio line because that third line center spot is his. And he's had this sort of rotating cast of characters next to him. Uh, last night it was uh, Oliver Wallstrom and Leo Komarov, one guy Islanders want to see more of, Islanders fans want to see more of, another guy Islanders fans don't want to ever see again. Um, Ross Johnson has played in that spot. Kiefer Bellows has played in that spot. Michael Dow Cole has been in that spot. Um, there's just all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, that can't be good uh, to keep constantly be seeing different people on the side of your line. But do you think that that's having an effect on Pajot? I mean, he he seems like he's more or less been himself. He hasn't scored that much this season, and I think it's important to note that. Uh, And that's probably where the the disconnect comes in. But I think defensively, he's mostly been sort of what we've come to expect, right?
1: He's been okay. Uh, He's in the middle of, of the pack when it comes to the team defensively in terms of expected goals. I do think it takes a toll on him, though. Uh, he really has, to your point, has had zero consistency and his really his only offensive. Um, his offensive chances are coming either on the power play or they're coming when he gets pushed up a line. To play with brock nelson in in certain uh times of the game when they're behind or 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 whatever so i do think the third line or really and if you consider time on ice it's really the fourth line is is a problem for this team um the the best thing that could happen for them is oliver wallstrom establishing himself as a regular player in the lineup he's been really good the last couple of times he's played um and he was especially good at the garden last night if you can at least create and trap likes to refer to this but it is a league-wide trend where you essentially have pairs on a line. If Paggio and Wallstrom can become a pair or something of that ilk, uh, I think that would be the best thing for Paggio, uh because ultimately he's, he, he can't just continue to rotate, not even line mates. It's, it's guys that are fringe NHL players who really don't provide any offensive production. Uh, and that, you know, you the other thing you have to look at too, is you're paying the guy a, a non-negligible amount of money to be in this role. And in order to maximize that, you have to have guys that can play next to him. So I really think a lot, because they have cap problems that we've spoken about, a lot is dependent on Wallstrom becoming an NHL player this year. I think the early returns have been really strong there. But as we know, it can be somewhat of a rocky road for kids to establish themselves in the lineup. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see if that pans out or not.
0: Yeah, Wallstrom has looked really good. Um you know, Kiefer Bellows was the other guy. And obviously the other guy Islanders fans generally want to see. And right. another one of them has, has ended up on the score sheet. I think one of them might have an assist. I think, oh no, Wallstrom has that Wallstrom one goal. That weird goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, I think Bellows might have an assist. Um, so, I mean, there's some work to be done there, but you know, they're noticeable. I, I mean, I know Bellows underlying numbers haven't been great, but like, you know, he's, he's definitely shown a lot more hustle. Uh, that's a high test word, I guess, but like, um, they both are, are able to hit. They don't look like they're sort of defensive liabilities anymore, at least no more than, than anybody else on the team. So that that's kind of cool. And I, I think I, I maybe either saw or read or maybe heard on Arthur Staples podcast that uh, Anthony Beauvillier might be back soon. And I wonder if, you know, we'll talk about the top two lines in a second, but I wonder if pairing Pajot with Beauvillier might be a, a way to, benefit both of them one to give like you said a pair Pajot and Bo, you know somebody to kind of lean on they and they played really well last year and obviously if Bo coming back from an injury you know playing him with a guy who he knows pretty well and can play with uh, might help him too I mean is that something that you think I mean we, we don't set the lineup unfortunately as as evidenced by the fact that we're always mad every time the lineup goes up before a game but like is that something that you think would make a lot of sense if they put Be- Pajot and, and Beauvillier together uh, when Bo comes back from from injury, that that might be beneficial.
1: I do. I actually love that idea. Um, it, it's it, one of the interesting things is that when you look at the lineup for so long, they barely had any right-handed shots, and now it feels like they have a ton of them. Um, <laughs> Pavillier is a lefty, and I think would pair really well with Peugeot on that line, just because Pavillier has turned into a really solid two-way player. That leaves open. A lot of left right flexibility, or you can kind of keep that stable with Lee and Barzell and then Nelson and Eberly uh, on the top two lines. And then you can kind of mix and match, you know, Josh Bailey uh, and potentially Wallstrom, et cetera, into that other, uh, those other slots. So I do think that actually gives them a fair amount of flexibility and it gives them uh, three lines that can score. I mean, we talk about alleviating the pressure that the fourth line is on to keep pucks out of their net. Well, one way to do that is to diversify your scoring in, across the other lines. Um, that was one of the reasons why the Islanders were so successful in the playoffs last season, was because they did have three lines that were scoring, or at least were creating opportunities. Um, it allowed, you know, it, it allowed teams to uh, kind of force their best matchups onto those lines. And you know, you have a guy like Matt Mart- Martin score five playoff goals. You know, that's not going to happen if they are playing third line minutes and are still playing against tougher competition. So I do think what it does is it, it alleviates a lot of the issues. And the other thing it does going back to the domino effect is by having skilled guys on three lines, you are taking pressure and off of that potential effect because you have guys that can potentially make something out of nothing. It doesn't have to lead to a goal, but even just getting to the red line and being able to complete a successful dump and change can sometimes be a really valuable thing.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, Brock Nelson and Jordan Eberle just now. Um, Nelson and Bailey in particular this year have had trouble sometimes even doing that. <laughs> they haven't really been on track. I believe each has one goal, uh, Nelson's, I think, came in the first game of the season. He might have had another one since then. I know Bailey only has the one. Um, And, you know, Arthur Staple did his sort of uh, uh, grades, I guess, guess first quarter grades uh, at the Athletic today. And those two guys got some of the lowest scores amongst forwards because they've been, in some cases, you know, not scoring is one thing, but being totally invisible is something else. And that is not something that, you know, as we've talked about, the Islanders are not a team that is... Uh, blessed with a lot of great scorers um, you can't go you can't go missing for that long uh, and have this team still be successful um, Jordan Everly was put on the line with Nelson and Everly's looked really good this season he's been you know this is the best start he's ever had possibly in his entire career certainly in his Islanders career and so even in the games where he doesn't score he's looked really good and so I think the hope there was that he can kind of get Nelson going but you know, I don't know if that's really happened. Um, What's your read on, on Nelson and Bailey in particular this season. And I mean, I, I I don't know. I I don't, I hate even saying this, but it feels like there's just something really off about the two of them. We've seen them both get off to slow starts before Bailey in particular, Nelson always starts hot. Um, But there's just something really off about this. And it's really a shame because both these guys are really integral to what the Islanders did last year and what they could do this year.
1: Yeah. the, 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 And it's tough because the Islanders, and especially on Nelson, the Islanders are really counting on production from from Nelson. It, as far as that line is concerned, I do think the lack of a consistent speedster has been hurting them. I mean, the Islanders are not a fast team. I don't think anyone would be would disagree with that at this yeah. point. They just aren't a great transition team. Um, but Bovillier does have that skill set, and he is able to kind of move the puck through the neutral zone for them. And that would be a potential red flag in terms of taking him off that line and putting him with Pajot. Um, I I would say that is potentially one issue. And, and to be fair, I mean, Nelson and Everly both have not been very good defensively this year either, which is something that we really haven't seen from, especially from Nelson over the last couple of, of years, he's really developed into a solid two way player. So that, if anything, that would be the higher concern at this point, more than his uh, his offensive production, because I think ultimately that will come. But if the Islanders are going to get outscored with them on the ice, and and to date, Nelson's only on the ice for one third of the, yeah. like, he's a, he's basically like a 33% goals for, which is not where you want to be at all. Yeah. So it, it's not in the numbers. I mean, obviously that's lower than what his expected total is, but it's not it's it's obviously not a good number regardless so i think you know that to me is more of a concern when you talk about him everly is starting to put goals in he scored twice on saturday and i think he has been pretty noticeable i think he rang one off the post last night as well yeah. um i don't he's a streaky guy i mean we've seen this now for 4 years he's going to have uh, slumps and he's going to have streaks where he's absurdly hot to me he seems like the same old jordan everly and i think honestly i mean that's obviously a good thing Um, So I I have less concerns there, um, especially because he he does seem to be getting his chances and and obviously capitalizing on some of them.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Like you said, Nelson has become like a pretty good defensive player in his time under Barry Trots and Bailey too, for that matter. He's normally not that bad, but sometimes, man, they're just out there and you're like, what are you doing? Like, it was like the, the goal that they gave up to the Penguins with 16 seconds left in the second period on Saturday. I mean, it is annoying for many reasons. Number one, it's 16 seconds left in the second period and it tied the game. And it's Evgeny Malkin. So, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's three reasons right there, but the, the, the other reason is that they had the puck. I forget who had it. I, I believe it might've been Eberly, uh, or maybe it was Michael Dow Cole. I'm not even sure. Like they had the puck and he just turned with it in, in the center of the, the ice And pass it to Nelson, who just was kind of just, I don't know, just skating around. And here comes Malkin. He just steals it right back. And I think a pass and then another pass and it was in. And it was like, what are we doing out here? Like, I know there's 16 seconds left, but you're still playing the game. There's a guy like right there. It's Evgeny Malkin. He's standing right there. And it's stuff like that that's just very, very... um, uncharacteristic of the way this team has played. And I mean, I guess that's kind of what it all comes back to is like there have been stretches in here that have not been Islanders hockey. And, you know, that's where the concern, you know, the red flags or the, or the sirens go off where it's like, man, is this it? Is it, was that it was last year's run uh, that about it. The only thing that, that seems like it's picked up pretty much where it left off is Barzell Lee. And uh, again, Everly was there, uh, they've put Bailey on that line for the last couple of games. But again, he just hasn't really clicked all that well. And Eberle was back there uh, against the Rangers. But Barzell and Lee have picked up essentially right where they left off. Like those two guys have been playing very well. Lee in particular, I think, Bo Barzell in particular has played very well. He's a man on a mission this year for sure. But Lee hasn't looked too bad either. And, uh, you know, they power play goal the other day. He had a, he had a, a, I think he almost had a goal against the Rangers too. So uh, they've looked really good. And, I mean, if you're going to look at one thing, if we're going to end this section on a high note, it's definitely talk about those two top guys because they've been great so far this season. They've been fantastic.
1: Barzell, uh, Barzell's entering what would be considered his hockey prime, and he's absolutely playing like he's in his hockey prime. Um, it's not even the offensive production, which has been great. It's the fact that he is trusted to basically run the entire power play. And mm. what's different is guys are kind of supporting him in that, which... Sometimes when he skates around, guys stay flat-footed. Um, Lee, in particular, has done a great job making space for him. So I think that's been a huge addition to his game. And, and the use of his shot, which has always been really good, which is underutilized, that's starting to, to happen more for him as well. The other thing is it, he's back-checking a ton this year. I mean, he's really taken to the trot system and, and is playing a three-zone game. And what that's doing is it's allowing him more opportunity offensively. The more he has the puck, the better it is for the Islanders. I mean, there's I, he's easily one of the elite transition players in the NHL. I, I'm not going to sit here and rank him, but he is very, very, very close to the top of that list. And uh, to become a three-zone player, and and to me, that that's the ultimate kind of Way to best utilize his skill set because so he's going to be an assist first guy. He's always, you know, he's going to be a production guy. But if he's able to combine that with keeping the puck out of the Islander zone, that's the way that he turns into an elite center. And I think for a long time, he's been in like all star, extremely good first line center. But the way he's played this year for me has been elite superstar level so far.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, if there's one nitpick, it's that. He can't or he doesn't really kind of open up his own shot in a way. Uh, we saw him delighted, in fact, to see him turn Tony D'Angelo inside out <laughs> first game of the season. That was great. And he does that to guys. He will do that to guys occasionally off the rush. Uh, he'll just leave somebody stupefied. And that's fun to see. You kind of wish you'd see it more, though. Like, especially on the power play, you know, obviously there's guys there and the idea is to move it around, but they do get caught, I think, puck watching a little bit. And so they're standing around while he's doing everything and it's giving, it's making it harder for him to create his own shot and, you know, they want to use him. So I don't know. I feel like there's, there needs to be a little bit more of that. Uh, And then he can, he can, you know, really join those, get those offensive numbers up to where the, you know, the elite guys are. But like you said, you know, to, to be that good defensively is something that not a lot of players of his caliber can do. And so it's really something that, you know, you're talking about at that point, like a Patrice Bergeron type, which again, I've said is, I think would be awesome (laughs) for him to turn into. Yeah. And that's, and that's especially
1: true because, I mean, you mentioned the offensive production. I mean, the the fact of the matter is he does not have the talent around him that other superstars in the game do. I mean, that that's just the, that's the reality. So if you're going to look at what he's doing offensively, I think obviously he needs to be at the top of the Islanders leaderboard and and he needs to be close to a point per game. We've seen that from him for the past couple of seasons, but I almost think it's somewhat of an unfair expectation for him to get to that level. It's not a system thing. I know a lot of people like to talk about the trot system and the Islander trot system is a little bit more conservative than the Washington one for potentially obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. But I think in this case, What, what I really want to see and have seen from him is the fact that he is basically ruthless on the back check and it has impacted the team positively. He's it's, it's led to a couple of penalties with stick infractions, you know, things like that. There's no doubt about that, but I think overall the fact that the effort is there and the body of work is giving him that, that, that edge where the Islanders are simply controlling play when he's on the ice. I mean, that that's kind of a fact. Um, I, I think that that's what's for me propelling him into that next year of, of truly top
0: centers. Yeah. Yeah. Ruthless on the back check is, is a good way to put it. <laughs> and and again, it's fun to watch. If, if you're an, a fan of the defensive hockey, like I am, it's, it is fun to watch him hound a guy until he just takes the puck away. Um, you know, and, t- and speaking of defense, I guess we'll just look at the, at the Islanders defense real quick in kind of a general way. Um, the, you know, you've got the three pairs that are more or less locked in Pellick, Pullick, uh, Letty Mayfield and uh, Dobson Green uh, behind them. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like I know what you're going to say, but uh, like those three guys, those three pairs, if you had to pick sort of one trending up. One trending down, or you know, whoever's trending up, trending down. Wh- where would you, where would you kind of put those guys? Uh, it feels like, and and staple again had the numbers today. Pelican Pulick have been lights out. I mean, pelic is still up to his old tricks, and he's healthy. Nobody takes it. Maybe Barzell is the only other guy on the team who was able to just calmly take a puck away from somebody, and and he and Pulick have been really good. But the other guy, the other two pairs, I don't know, have been a little bit weird. Uh, so I mean, would you? Can you kind of see? you know, trajectories for those pairs a little bit already. I mean, I know we're only eleven games into the season, but
1: no, it's it's such an interesting it's a really interesting thing because Pollock and, and Pellick have been incredible this year. I like there's just nothing else to say about their game. They're they're never gonna be the like the showman offensive guys that, you know, Eric Carlson was for years or Kale McCarr is now. Like that's not their game, but they're incredible defensively like people do not talk about how good they are defensively (laughs) the other two pairings it's it's you have two tiers like you have nick weddy and noah dobson and then you have scott mayfield and andy green and so basically you have like one guy who's been playing good well and then one guy who has not been playing as well and i don't know trajectory where that leaves them i think ultimately i mean the biggest problem is andy green right now um for like five reasons but the biggest two are one it's it's hampering dobson who has shown that i think he probably is already at top four level but him being slogged down by green isn't allowing him to get there basically um, the other part is the contract implication which is basically saying that the islanders are about to pay andy green two million dollars off next year's cap to be bad uh it's just and and i don't want to make the proclamation so discreet right now but we're 11 games into a 56 game season he really has been i think the worst skater on the team right now and i'm not clear that it's something where he's just gonna like casually pull out of it i mean he could but i wouldn't count on that um especially again going back to the concerns that we already spoke about a lot of games coming up his age stuff like that so that's that's the area where i'm like i have a, a couple of alarm bells up like i don't i don't know how this ends but i'm not sure that it's going to end positively which makes me a perfect guest for this podcast right now
0: <laughs> yes much anxiety there you know the the green the green thing is really disappointing because he was so good last year and so integral to uh the islanders run to the eastern conference finals and you know bringing him back Felt like a couple of things. It felt like a reward for, you know, three months at a super high level. You fit right in. Obviously he's a veteran guy. um, And he just kind of slits, fit right in with everybody else. Also, they were going to lose Johnny Boychuk to the eye injury. And then knew that he was basically going to, you know, his career was essentially over and he had played well with Dobson. So like, you know, for that reason, um, you know, it seemed the one year deal seemed worth it. And then, the details come out and there are performance bonuses that like you said, are going to be on the cap next year, which could be the same exact cap number as this year, which would be really, really problematic. And so that's like, really? Well, I guess if that's what it took, but then he starts to play and this is not the same level that we had seen last year from Andy green. And it's really disappointing. And like you said, you know, he's paired with Dobson and and Dobson's been great. Like he's yeah, he's had a couple of moments here and there where, you know, you realize, oh, shit, this guy is 20 years old. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, he's been great. Uh, and, you know, you wonder how long this pairing can go uh, being, you know, one guy playing really well and the other guy kind of, you know, being a step behind. And as our friend Arthur Staple likes to point out, there's really nobody else behind them. Uh, Sebastian Ajo has not played an NHL game in three years. Thomas Hickey apparently just is, I don't know, he, he's with the team, but they just don't want to play him. They can't trade him. Nobody seems to want him. And uh, you've got some guys down on, on in Bridgeport now, but I think they're going to be there for the rest of the season. So, yeah, this is, a, this is an area of concern that Bear is keeping an eye on. And I, I don't know what Barry Trotz can do <laughs> to fix it, really.
1: I think the best thing that they can do is – we talk about a lot of games coming up. There's a back-to-back in Buffalo that may or may not happen next week. I mean, to me, that's the game that you get. You start to see if Sebastian Ajo can play at this level because if he can't and they're still in the playoff hunt, I mean, I don't really think draft collateral matters at this point. They're, they're in it to win it, so they're going to have to make a trade. And the more that you can see what Ajo has and not play green to satisfy those conditions of his contract, to me, that's something that's potentially worth looking into. I'm going to caution that there's like no chance this happens. (laughs) But if I were to be proactive about the fact that injuries may happen, you may be in a situation where you need a guy to step into the lineup at some point. Now would be the time before I have to make that commitment to green where I would start to try to see if there's something there or not.
0: The AHO thing is so strange to me because the, when he played, you know, three years ago, I, I saw a bunch of games with him. And again, that was, that wasn't even, uh, I think that was, it was either Doug Wade or Jack Capuano, I guess it might've been both of them. And he looked fine. Like he, this was a guy who stepped right in. He didn't seem to have any problems with the NHL game at all. And he was an AHL all-star. And I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is that, Barry Trotz doesn't see in him. <laughs> I mean, he's the coach, and you know he's pretty much pushed every right button so far. But it's it's very perplexing. And then the Hickey thing too. I mean, this is a guy who played very well, and I, I know it's it's an injury issue. He had the concussions and stuff, so maybe they're they're a little bit gun shy there. But uh, you know, if if it was me, if I was a team, I would have traded for Thomas Hickey. But he's got two million on the books next year too, so it's uh, that might be scaring people off. But yeah, so uh, yeah, and whether or not those games in Buffalo happen next week. Uh, is very much up in the air. So, as great an idea as that is, uh, <laughs> we might not might not even see those games. So we'll have no. To see we them. may not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, just in general, just uh, to wrap it up, we won't talk about goalies. We know how the goalies are. Valoramov's great. Sorokin needs work. He'll get it <laughs> at some point. Uh, yeah. That's about all you need to say about that. um But I mean, uh, like overall, um let's see, I mean, I don't know how to put this, but like you know, the Islanders are real right now. They're in fourth place in the East. They've got 12 points. They're far behind the Flyers and Caps uh, and one point ahead of the Penguins. I guess, and I guess they're one point behind uh, somebody else. I forget now. Whoever else. Oh, Boston. Um, you know, fourth place would get you into the playoffs. Um, they've got a lot of cleaning up to do. If there was like one area or I, I shouldn't say one area, but like what, what are the areas that you think they need to? figure out the most Um, like where are the places that they need the most improvement if they want to maintain their spot right now, or better still move up a little bit.
1: The pageant line To, to me, that's a very, very clear spot because that is the cog to two things. One, their ability to score. I mean, they, they, they don't score a lot of goals and they need to score more because they They do make mistakes from time to time, as we've talked about, and in large part, they really haven't been able to outscore those mistakes. So that would be one. Um, And then the other reason for that is because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going to get into a playoff situation, you need to be able to roll four lines. That is, we have seen this for two years and this 11 game stretch and two playoff runs. The Islanders under Barry Trotz play best when they can roll four lines. And, and there is not a question of role and responsibility on any of those lines. Everyone knows exactly what they're doing. There's a general sense of what ice time everyone is going to get. When that is the case, that is when this team plays their best. We saw it in the playoffs for the last two years. We have seen it when they've gone on long runs during the regular season. Anytime that they get a, an injury or something that throws off that equilibrium, they really, really struggle with consistency. Um, we saw that at the first couple of games, Bovillier was out. They really struggled because they they didn't have their footing and they weren't rolling in a consistent way. Um, I, I think I think to to ignore the fact that that line is a problem and it might already be solved if Wallstrom can continue to you know maintain his spot there. But to me, that is by far the number one area where you look at the seam and be like, "There's a giant gap." The other the only other one would be the Andy Green situation, but we've spoken about that and I think ultimately that's just something that's gonna have to play itself out. They're yeah. gonna stick with him as long as they can.
0: Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but uh yeah, and, and it's and again, it's such a shame he, he played so well and it's
1: the worst case scenario,
0: right? Yeah, like, that's basically it which is the only islanders case scenario so there you <laughs> go always the worst case scenario <laughs> but uh yeah no i agree of those two problems the the Peugeot line is definitely the the bigger fish to fry so to speak i, I would even put the uh the bailey nelson situation up above dobson and green too i just you know for for the same exact reason you talk about the pageau line like the more you know, the, the, they don't score a lot and they need everybody pulling in the same direction and rolling four lines. And if let's say they figure out the Paggio line, let's say Bo comes back, they play Bo with him and, and they figure out that line and all of a sudden that becomes productive. Well, then you can't just still have Bailey and Nelson out there just not doing anything like that. Something's got to get fixed. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on, but you know, again, fortunately where they're at right now is, is not in the, uh, a bad spot. Uh, So thanks, Carrie. This was great. Really appreciate you uh, coming up from the taxi squad. Uh, Where can everybody find uh, your writings?
1: Thanks, Dan. Yeah. um, Right now you can follow me at at Habermetrics. It's uh, as we all know, it's been an interesting time. So I'm still tweeting there, mostly during games at this point. But thank you for following if you do and
0: hope to chat with you on Twitter. Follow Carrie at Habermetrics. Uh, It's it's Habermetrics, right? Yes. Yes. Right. you know it's funny when you follow somebody on twitter for so long you completely forget what their twitter handle is and you just know them by their name <laughs> and so you completely forget uh you can follow mike at the big lebowski as well you can follow me at culture for losing please make sure to read lighthouse hockey every single day for your most up-to-date islanders news and discussion please don't forget to leave us a review at itunes put your put your twitter handle in the itunes review and you will get a chance to win some islanders ebay swag from mike uh he's still going to send out i think the uh, the first uh, winner's uh, stuff. So we look forward to seeing what that is. And uh, check out VintageIceHockey.com, uh, our favorite sponsor. They have our, our Al Arbor shirts. They have hundreds of T-shirts with cool old defunct hockey logos. And now jerseys as well. Columbus Chill jerseys, old ECHL jerseys, kind of a classic for the 90s if you uh, remember that time period. So check out VintageIceHockey.com. Thanks again, Carrie. Really appreciate it. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll be back next week. All right, talk to you later. Bye-bye.